Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome, and this is Cindy Meyer with the weekly Spirit Seeker Hour brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. So Spirit Seeker Magazine was started over 22 years ago. It is a monthly publication that can be found as a print magazine in the Midwest and West Palm Beach area of Florida. And it is a an online publication that can be read at www.spiritseeker.com. So it is my privilege and honor to bring you this magazine each and every month. And um, in addition to the monthly magazine, we have the weekly radio show, which um, is brought to you on Thursday evenings from 7 until 8. And sometimes we do longer shows, which tonight we are doing an hour and a half show. And then um, in addition, we have a weekly email newsletter. And the email newsletter is um, – uh, it, it's really good to be part of that because then you know who the radio show uh, guests are. You know um, when the magazine is online, and we allow other people to advertise their events on our weekly email newsletter. We do not sell our list, so you do not have to worry about all of a sudden you're getting all these emails from everyone. We consider it a very sacrosanct list, but we do allow uh, others to let you know about wonderful events in the U.S. and into Canada. Now, the other thing that's great about being part of this email newsletter is that we do giveaways. Every single month we do several giveaways. We give away books. We give away um, CDs. We, we uh, can't even talk tonight. We review music from all over um, the world, really. Uh, we work with publicists who work with musicians, and we just bring you the best in music. Um, and so we give those CDs away. We cannot keep all of this uh, beautiful, you know, books and everything that come to 1320 Saltbox, which is my address, because it's just way too much stuff. And we are um, generous and like to bless our email subscribers. So here's the deal. You can do it one of two ways to be part of that email list. You can go to spiritseeker.com, so www.spiritseeker.com, and there's our join our email newsletter link right there. Or you can um uh, email uh, us directly to info, info at spiritseeker.com and let me know, um, just say, would love to be added to your email list. Now, the other thing I want to mention is that we have over 10 years of archived radio shows. Not all of them are on the Blog Talk site, but the majority are. Um, so when when this show ends, it becomes a virtual blog. So I had a you know a radio show in a traditional studio for a long time before I switched in 2000. I guess it was 2008 actually. So it's been 10 years now, and um, uh, I'm going to put you on hold for one moment. Is that Cindy? Yes, it is. Do you know the the number to call in? Uh, no, it says on the list that you call me, so I'm sitting here waiting for the call. Oh, I'm so sorry. Here's the number. It's 646-668-668, and then 8256. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'll talk to you momentarily. All right, that was my guest. She'll be here momentarily. Okay, so um, so what I was going to tell you is that the minute the show is finished, this becomes a virtual blog. And so it's a podcast. So people listen to this at all hours of the day and night because I um, 
I get the stats on it. I, I, I can see who listened, uh, you know, during the live show and who listened um, later. So it's always a blessing um, to see, you know, how many people are listening to the show and how many are using it as their spiritual nourishment. And that's really what this is all about. That's what the show is about. It's enhancing the mind, body, spirit. And we interview authors and musicians and people doing healing work all over the world that are making the world a better place. And that's really um, our intention. And that's what the, that's what the uh, radio show and the magazine are all about. So, um, so our my my guest this evening. I'm gonna um, let me think if there are any other inter- announcements. The only other announcements are that Spirit Seeker magazine will be at a few events coming up. We will be um, at the Crossroads Metaphysical Fair on October 26th, 27th, and 28th, and then uh, we will be in uh, Columbia, Missouri, for a uh, Affair the first part of November, and then we will also be in Springfield, Illinois, in November. So all of those are wonderful um, opportunities to pick up the Spirit Seeker magazine, say hello, and um, let us know who you are, and, and you know, reach out. Okay, so that's it for announcements. I am so excited to bring on my guest. Her name is uh, Lane Dolphin, and she's a dream analyst, and she is the author of Decoding Your Green Dreams to Discover Your Full Potential. Um, Delphin's goal is to introduce the general public to the value of understanding their dreams, and she is going to um, share a lot of her experience tonight and what her new book um, is all about. So with that, I am going to bring Lane on. Lane, are you there? Hi. It's Laney, like like Elaine from Seinfeld. That's okay. (laughs) Okay. My parents spelt it wrong. Well, you know, it's so funny how parents give children their names, but I love your name, but but I apologize for mispronouncing it and now Yeah, I, don't I worry about it. If yeah. they yeah. would have spelt it with two e's on the end, we would have been good to go. <laughs> yes. Well, here you are. Well, tell us about how it is that you became fascinated with dreams. I uh I, I just was so excited about this show. So I'm I'm grateful that you are our guest and I'm grateful you have this new book out and so just tell yes, us whatever and you want. Actually I, I have um I have uh, two books out and both of them are called Have a Great Dream and that's the same name as my URL is also haveagreatdream.com. And so I wrote these two books um the first one is uh, its subtitle is called the overview book 1 the overview and that's because and that's what i'm going to do right now with you is i just want to give you a little overview about what it's all about <laughs> okay um, perfect yeah, so the dream at at the first level, the dream is the conversation that you are having with yourself concerning a very specific current issue that you are trying to problem solve. And the amazing news that I have to give you and everybody is that the solution to something that you're trying to work out this week appears in your unconscious, of course, before it gets to your conscious mind. So if you know how the language and how to um, understand why you had that dream last night, and more importantly, what situation in your life this week triggered that dream, and if you know that, then you can propel your problem-solving skills besides everything else that you and I are going to talk about. But just just for that reason alone, 
like if you want to quit that job or break off that relationship, of course the solution and the idea comes to you in your unconscious before it gets to your conscious. And that's what I do is I teach people the language of metaphor, literally. And that was how I learned it. You asked me how I became interested. I'm uh, 66 today, and when I was uh, just turned 21, I had my first of four daughters who was born with Down syndrome. And understandably, I became depressed. Um, and I was very fortunate to end up in the care of a brilliant Freudian psychoanalyst um, and who was actually from New York but lived here in Montreal. And uh, I wasn't so well able to articulate my feelings in my early 20s, but I'm a dreamer. And I've always had incredible dream recall. And he probably did about 80% of my analysis through dream interpretation. So my initiation to Freud happened because I experienced him before I studied him. Fascinating. Yeah. And then I went on to study other fathers of psychology. Um, I became a Gestalt counselor, and I learned how Frederick Pearls looked at dreams, and I became a member of the C.G. Jung Society, and so I learned about Carl Jung, and um, I went to the Alfred Adler Institute in my 40s, and I learned about Adler and dreams, and I'm very eclectic in my approach, and the reason why I wrote the two books is because I want to just bring... Um, the those uh, fathers of psychology into plain old English so that everybody can learn how to do it. You know, it's fascinating. I, I have done Gestalt therapy. I have, um, you know, I've always been fascinated by the Jungian symbology, you know, and um, Freud, I have not, you know, delved into that as much as I would like. That's still on my list of things to study more. But you know, I love how you um, phrase everything and have a great dream. Have a great dream. And it's like, you know, I, I agree totally about um, the fact that it's your subconscious trying to, to get to you or, or communicate with you, not get to you. But Exactly, a, yes. Right, right. And as a child, Lainey, this was so odd. Like, I didn't know as a child that I was clairvoyant. You don't always know that. You just know that... You just know things. And so as a child, I would have a dream. And if I awakened and I didn't like that dream, I would just say, I'm changing the channel. And I would literally ah. change the channel to a different dream. But if I, if I awakened two times to the same dream, I'm like, uh-oh. And I'd ask for the new dream. And if I had it three times, I just knew it was like, okay, I can't change this. This is, like, really going to happen. And I did not understand it as a kid. As I got older, you know, I understood more. But but I do have a question what have you um i'm sure you have like one of the questions that i'm sure you've been asked is what happens if you just don't remember your dream i mean obviously there's dream state so if you could explain to the listeners how it is that they can um connect more with their dreams if they're not aware right and there's a memory function that's not operating at the same capacity when you're asleep as when you're awake in your frontal lobe. So there's a physiological reason why you 
are not remembering your dreams as easily. But, um, you know, Freud said that the biggest uh, determinant about remembering your dreams is intention. And boy, is, was he ever right. Because if you decide that you want a dream, and I'm going to give you some one-picture dreams tonight, and so that I can prove to you that you don't you don't need to judge your dream and don't feel like you need a story with a beginning, a middle and an end because one picture really is worth a thousand words. And I can give you so many examples of that. But the first thing that you can do is decide that you want to remember a dream and leave paper and pen beside your bed. And you can even close your eyes and visualize yourself waking up in the morning and reaching for the pen. Uh, and that will usually bring on some kind of imagery within a day or two. And if you want to um, I'll give you like some of my favorite ways of remembering dreams is just sit yourself down in a chair and take off your watch and look at it really closely. Look at the face, look at the second hand, look at the numbers and now close your eyes and try and visualize it in your mind's eye and then open your eyes and look at it again, this in and out, in and out. And then you can look around the room and look at the paintings and the pictures and the furniture and your clothing and everything around the room and then close your eyes and walk around the room in your mind's eye. And that exercise alone, that's a good um, preparation for what it feels like to wake up from a dream and, you know, be back and forth, back and forth. I'm awake now, but I want to go back inside the dream. And it's got that similar feeling to the exercise that I just described. Well, and it's interesting about um, the padded uh, paper and pen. Whenever I'm teaching a deep, deep weekend, you know, with uh, introspection, whether it's breath work or Reiki or anything, I always say turn your light on because and just write one or two words. And, you know, I was I was in Dallas, Texas in this very uh, interesting weekend, very deep. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard, you know, I dreamed and heard the words. Sometimes sometimes I hear words, which I don't see the visual, but I, I'll actually awaken hearing words. And it was vibrational sound healing. And I thought, oh, boy, that's kind of, like, powerful. So I wrote it down, went back to sleep. It was probably eight months later I was actually at this little shop, um, you know, purchasing a couple of books and had a, had a reading from one of the readers. And the reader said, oh, are you staying um, for tonight's lecture? And I said, what lecture is it? And he said, vibrational sound healing. This lady from Canada is here um, teaching tonight. And I said, and of course my ears perked up. But had I not written that down in the middle of the night, I'm not sure right. I would have remembered Right, right, and I think what you're discussing is uh, this simultaneousness, multitasking that our sophisticated unconscious mind is capable of, and so my particular um, take on dream analysis, because just to finish this business about not remembering, I want to just say that dreaming is just thinking. And a, so for those people that don't remember, don't worry, because you're problem solving anyways. And if you want to quit that job, it's going to happen anyway, whether you remember your dreams or you don't. It's just that if you do remember, it's there's a whole world of 
uh, things that you can do with your dreams about changing uh, your responses and reactions to people and events in your life. Um, and I'm just going to go like a little bit deeper for a minute so that you really understand exactly where where I'm going. Um, and that's to say to you that when we are born, we come into the world whole. We have a plethora of possibilities. We can be selfish. We could be giving. We can be shy, assertive. We can be a hero, a chicken. Maybe you're a, a person who's always initiating. Maybe you're a person who's always on the receiving end. Or you were the comedian in the family. Or maybe you're more serious. And so these, all these parts of yourself are always there. It's just that the people that bring us up teach us that it's better to be one way than another way. And a great example or a simple example is if you were brought up in a home with siblings, you probably got the message that it's not okay to be selfish because your parents say things to you like, Go share your toys with your brother. Go look after your sister. And just your whole existence about sharing your parents' attention is, is you're exercising that aspect of yourself that knows how to give and how to share. And where conversely, if you're brought up in a home as an only child, you're perfectly okay. I mean, you never have to share your toys and you don't have to share your parents' attention and you become very comfortable about taking care of yourself. And so the only reason that this, um, what I'm saying, turns out not to be so effective later is because life, as we know, throws us so many different, a host of different situations and your knee-jerk over-exercised aspects of your personality might not always be appropriate. Like I'm a person, for in my world, there's no good or bad or right or wrong. For me, there's appropriate and inappropriate. And it's just a matter of, is the dreamer Re responding to their current situation in the most appropriate way that's the most beneficial for them. So, for example, this man, Stephen, dreams. It's a one-picture dream. He's climbing up a ladder, and there's paper everywhere, paper. And the higher he goes up this really high ladder, the more the paper is filling up all around, and it's even kind of blocking him moving up the ladder. And at the top of the ladder is a guy that he says was his college roommate who he hasn't seen in over 20 years. So his memory reaches in and takes out this person. And so I asked him, very quickly using a symbols point of entry. And I will give you six points of entry tonight so that you can learn how to do it. And so uh, using a symbols point of entry, I asked him to tell me the first two or three things that come to your mind when you think about that fellow. And what he said was, he's a selfish, take care of me first kind of guy. And so the reason why all the papers and the ladder was about the fact that he's got so much work on his desk, the dreamer, has papers everywhere, and he wants to be doing his work, but his friends called him to ask to see a movie, 
and he doesn't have what it takes to say no. You know, people like that, and I'm one of them, my knee-jerk reaction is always to say yes. I'm not a no person. And it, it goes together with the fact that I grew up in a home with siblings, that I would become a person who's faster to agree and say yes with somebody, even when I'm not paying attention to what my own needs are. And so he he didn't say, he, he said that he would go to a movie the following night, but he doesn't want to go. And so he dreams about this person who he associates as being a take care of me first kind of guy. And that's who's encouraging him up the ladder. You see? And so yeah. because he understood the the metaphor and the psychology of the dream, it gave him an opportunity to start exercising an unfamiliar aspect of his personality that Jung would have called your shadow. And him saying yes all the time is what Freud would have called his habitual response to life situations. And because of the dream, he was able to get on the phone the next day and say to his friends, actually, I thought about it and I'm not going to join you for a movie because I really want to work and the stuff that's on my desk. Wow. Isn't it so that, great? Well, because, <laughs> because he accessed the archetype of that friend who was just, get it done. Like, don't... Exactly. Don't. And that right. friend, by the way, interestingly, and I, and I don't think it's coincidentally, grew up as an only child. So he calls him a take-care-of-me-first kind of guy, you know, and not in such a necessarily positive way, but, you know, the parts of the dream that you think are the least positive or the parts of the dream that frighten you the most or make you feel the most uncomfortable, those are exactly the personality traits that you want to reach for. That's where you want to get closer to. So it doesn't mean that Stephen is going to turn into a big, fat, selfish person overnight. But if he understands the metaphor and tries to exercise this aspect of himself, you'd be surprised. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, here, I'm not here to tell you that change is easy, but I am here to tell you that change is possible. Because you don't want to be stuck with the same responses to your life situations. How boring. <laughs> Imagine right. how boring right. that would be without individuation or, you know, in my second book, which I call um, Have a Great Dream, A Deeper Discussion. I, I talk about, uh, and I don't even play golf, but I, talk, I uh, refer to this as playing a different game on the back nine <laughs> because I spent the first 40 years of my life inside the personality that my parents taught me I should be. And I hope that in the second part of my life, I am taking back all those under-exercised parts of myself so that I can respond appropriately to whatever situation is going on in my life where it fits, you know? Mm-hmm. I, have, I have to tell you, I've studied dream analysis, you know, off and on here and there throughout the years. Never have I heard the part about being an only child versus a child of many children, but, or, you know, a family of many children. But it makes total sense because the coping skills 
of an only child. I mean, well, I guess I did hear it in the Celestine Prophecy. The Celestine Prophecy, when it came out, everyone was reading it. It was just everywhere. And I can remember um, the discussion where in that book it says that if you are uh, having children and it's a two-parent household, you really should not have more than two children because then there's one parent for each child to give undivided attention. And I thought, you know, that makes kind of sense. I just never really thought about it. But but look at the, the I, I love how you've explained this, the coping skills from an only child. It, it is totally different than, right. you know, like there's and for me, and, it's, yeah. I, I liken the whole thing that I'm discussing, I liken it to working out muscles in a gym uh, because that's what you're doing. You start exercising a muscle, and we all know that when you go to the gym and use a muscle you haven't used before, it hurts the next day, and never mind that day, the day after it hurts even more. But if you keep working the muscle, you become more and more accustomed to it. Like I'll give you just use myself as an example. I was brought up by a, a European dad who was from Romania, and my mom was from born in Canada, in Montreal, but it doesn't matter because she was brought up by European parents. So essentially, I was brought up by European parents. And I could not look at my father, who was the most wonderful man, may his soul rest, but he had a big temper. And I couldn't look at him when I was six or seven and say something like, excuse me, I don't like how you're talking to me, because I would have landed up in my bedroom. That was considered to be disrespectful. And so I became under-invested in speaking up and over-invested in shutting up. And so at 40, when I was 40, and I remember this for a few reasons, I remember it because I was at the Alfred Adler Institute at the time, studying dream analysis from an Adlerian perspective. I was also, when I was 40, that was the year my dad died, and I was exercising my voice. And one night, I had an argument with my sweet Andrew my husband, who's also very sweet and big, big heart and big, big temper. And he opened up a big mouth to me, and I responded with my knee-jerk, over-exercised silence, as if I'm seven years old and with my dad. And it's not appropriate, because Andy is my equal. And I went to sleep that night, and similar to Stephen's dream with the ladder, I'm using a symbol's point of entry again, but don't worry, I'll give you other points of entry tonight. But I, I, asked, I, I dreamt about an aunt of mine who had, was already gone. She had already passed away years before. But I asked myself, what comes to my mind when I think about her? And the first thing that comes out of my mouth, even today, is she had such a big mouth. If she was probably the most assertive person I ever met. And so if she didn't like you, you never had to wonder about it because she would let you know. And also, even if she loved you, she would tell you. And so I needed to access that part of myself. And it was during a year, like when I was 40, that I was exercising my voice anyway. And my dreams were encouraging me and pointing me in that direction. And the following morning, I mean, I'm not going to turn into her, but the following morning, I probably had my first 
experience exercising that muscle. And I said to Andrew, Andy, I don't like how you spoke to me last night. It's not comfortable. And it makes me feel like I'm with my dad. And I'm seven years old. And I don't want to feel that way. Please don't Please don't yell at me. And that was when I was 40. And now, here we are, 26 years later, I've been exercising that muscle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yes. And Andy ha- hasn't raised his voice to me in at least more than 15 years. He does not because he got a new person on the other end of that. And that's well, what he happened. Understood. Yeah, he understood. Yes, and that. he also and people start expecting certain behaviors from you and they think they can get away with stuff because you allow it. Well, I remember, oh, this is so long ago, but I, I was in my early twenties and um this nurse and we were in the cardiac cath lab, that's where I worked at the time. I was a nurse as well, and but our head nurse said, You have to lie down to be walked on. <laughs> Cindy, like, oh my God, I love you. I mean, no, no, I was like, oh my, like I, I mean, because you know I could do the victim card real well, you know, and and as others can too. But that was kind of a life changer for me. You have to lie down to be walked on. Isn't that the truth actually, too? Actually, I have to tell you, it wasn't her. Now that I'm thinking back, okay, not that it matters, but it does. It was another nurse in there. And this head nurse was always a victim. Everything always happened to her. And it was actually an, a, a person, just like person, just like me, who spoke up to the to the uh, the lead head. She was our boss, and said, you know, because she was tired of hearing her whine and complain all the time. And she said, you have to lie down to be walked on. And this yeah, was this nurse and that and I, it's I, true. I yeah. And right. I even I talk, um, you know, like the whole uh, overview, the general overview of dream analysis in general is that you're looking in and uh, you're looking in to changing yourself, which thank God we have the power to change ourselves. And for every minute that you're looking in at changing something about yourself, you are spending the exact same amount of time not looking out at trying to change somebody else, which frankly, you have no power anyways. And it really takes away the whole exercise of dream analysis. It's so rich because it really takes away the victimness of everything because if you really, like for me, real love is looking at a person for exactly who they are, how they are, and accepting that person as never changing, right? Because appreciating all of us are on our own path. Everybody's trying their best, doing their own thing. And if you look at someone else and you have no anticipation of them changing and no expectation, and then you decide, is this a person that I want to be spending my time with? And now there's no victim anymore because it's you who's making the decision about whether you want to be with somebody or not. Well, you're at, yeah, you're a choice. You're a choice. And, you know, even you going back into the childhood way of dealing with your um, overbearing father or angry father, let's just say angry, and then pulling that in to your marriage with your uh, your husband who became that authoritarian, disapproving person and then you right. going into that 
and then and then by morning processing it probably while you slept because for you to have come to that awareness that quickly in the morning and then to be able to go back with that with that wherewithal even and that's what happens you, once you get used to it right yeah. you get yeah. you get I mean, once you're powerful. used to it very powerful and the thing is, let's say now, let's imagine that I'm not a person who remembers. If you have no dream recall, the dream is providing a rehearsal, a safe place for a rehearsal. And that's why people like my aunt or Stephen's college roommate, that's why those kind of people appear in your dreams because the dream is providing a safe place for you to rehearse. And when you get comfortable enough with the behavior, you take it out into waking life, whether you remember the dream or you didn't, but you're going to get it faster if you recall the dream. Like uh, there's a, a woman not that long ago, she's dreaming that she got a brand new puppy and she is so excited about this puppy and she's sitting at a table and she puts the puppy on the table right in front of her and all of a sudden the puppy poos everywhere all over the table and all over her and what i and it turned out to be about um a job that she got that she was so excited about and uh, within about uh, 10 days she realized that the boss is very abusive and he was literally like pooing all over her you know that expression uh it's not such a polite expression as poo but it's just i just mean to say that's the metaphor that she used we see the feelings using a feelings point of entry the dreamer is so happy and excited at first and suddenly there's a turn in the emotions in the dream and now it's a big mess and one of the ways that you can solve the problem in the dream is to come outside the dream into waking life and ask the dreamer what would you do well that's what I asked her what would you do if that really happened to you in waking life and you had a puppy up on the table and it pooed all over the place she said I would take it off the table that's the first thing I would do take it off the table and then I would clean myself up and clean it up and uh, we use puns and play on words in our dreams constantly and that's what she was doing like you know the expression i'm going to take this off the table like this is off the table i'm not talking about it correct you know right. how we use that language and that and she quit the job she took it off the table oh wow isn't that great it's great. More than great. And, and so that's great. an action, you know, like she took um, an action. And just to give you some examples of play on words, um, one man was, uh, well, I'll just say that if I say to, um, if I say to you, I was so embarrassed, I thought I was going to die. If you use language like that, you might go to sleep tonight and dream that you're dying. And it's not that you're dying. It's that you're processing how embarrassed you were about something. Or if somebody says, uh, get over here. If you say to your kids, get over here, I'm going to kill you. That kid might go to sleep tonight and dream that somebody's trying to kill them. And, and Or you might even go to sleep and dream that you're trying to kill somebody. Because we take uh, the, the language and turn it into um, pictures. Right. 
right. It's all that's that symbology part. That's the Carl Jung symbology. It's like, you know, and those pictures all have meaning. They do. They do. And every single memory and association that you have ever had since you're born is collected in this incredible database um, called your unconscious, or for those of us who are over 50, I call it a filing cabinet. And when you want to say something to yourself tonight about a specific situation that's bothering you this week, the filing cabinet opens up. And all the memories and people and every single association that you have had since you're born, you have this plethora of uh, possibilities, symbols that you can use to try and say something to yourself. So if I'm aggravated with uh, Andy, all of the boyfriends I ever had my whole life, they're all in the same file and they all become interchangeable. And I might choose a boyfriend that I had when I was 16 or 17 if Andy this week is making me feel in a similar way to the way that boyfriend made me feel so many years ago. So, Lainey, this is, you know, a, a powerhouse question, and if you don't want to answer it, it's fine. But with the Me Too movement, don't you feel – I mean, this is – I just keep reading stories after stories, and I kind of had to stop because, you know, um, I'm an empath and I feel things, and I'm able to overwrite it most of the time. But don't you feel like, – like, don't you feel that, like, people are just – for the first time talking about a lot of things that have been filed in the filing cabinet. Yes, and I think that we need to be really careful because there's so much groupthink, and groupthink yeah. is, is dangerous. It really, and that's why I love dream analysis because dream analysis reminds you that we are as unique as a fingerprint. Your memories and associations, for example, could you tell me what is, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about a cat? A cat? Yeah. Oh, my God. That I love cats. That they you are probably the most loving creatures of all the animal kingdom. They're intelligent. They anticipate. They um they communicate like so differently, like just so empathically. I just feel like cats are probably, I don't know, I just have always loved cats. Okay. And so if you dream about cats, it's a, um, you might dream about a cat. Let's just say that um, I'm just trying to think of some, exa- some random example. Let's say that you're not being very nice to yourself this week. Maybe you would be dreaming about cats because you're trying to access that part of yourself that knows how to give yourself love and use your intelligence and anticipate for yourself, which is also very loving. If my daughter, Emma Jo, if she dreams about cats uh, because she absolutely loves them, but they're not good for her. Uh, because she's highly allergic and they make her have trouble breathing and claustrophobic. And so if she she dreams about a cat, it might be about a guy that she's going out with who she thinks she loves, but he's really not very good for her. And for me, 
I think that cats are, I'm more, uh, I guess, a dog person, because for me, cats are aloof and independent. And I don't know if I'm that comfortable with that. So when I dream about cats, the first thing I ask myself is, who in my life this week is behaving in a particularly aloof and independent way, and I'm not that comfortable with it? Or, or is it that I need to become the cat? And I need to be a little bit more aloof and independent. And so you cannot look up in a book what it means about a cat. And this is what I'm saying, that all of us are so individual. So if you agree with two or three or four things about one, um, you know, philosophy that's out there these days, that's great. But you don't have to fall into the big group think. Yeah. Yeah. We've you know, lost our so... individuality. Oh, my God. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and this cat thing, you know, I was gone. Um, oh, my goodness. I gave myself permission to be gone for two weeks. And most of my work is over the phone, so people don't know where I am anyway. And this was this was a big deal for me. This was uh, – I've done it now since then a few times. But it was about a year and a half ago. Um and I just gave myself permission for two weeks to go on vacation and to visit friends in Florida. And um, my son came for about five days in the middle of it, and then back to St. Louis I came. But before I came back, it was the very last night I was in Florida, was with a group of four girlfriends having, like, just fabulous time, the last night before I came home. And my son called me and said, Max, our cat, like, he was away at college, but came through St. Louis on his way to Kentucky. And he walked in, and I had a cat sitter here, but the cat sitter was at work at this particular time. The cat was dead at the bottom of the steps. And he and, he, oh and I'm my in God. this loud – oh, oh, Lainey, you have no idea. So I'm in this bar. It's loud. I mean, we're just listening to live music, having this great time right by the beach. And then here's my son, and I finally just had to, like, leave to be able to hear, and he was hysterical, and I and rightly so – and, you know, the cat sitter had been there, didn't leave until that morning, oh so God. it wasn't anything that could have been, you know, blamed on anyone type, you know, which is the typical thing, like, where was, you know, how could this have happened, you know, and everything. And right. I just, I was, okay, so I was trying not to blame myself for leaving the cat for two weeks, you know, it was the first time I'd left the cat for two weeks, but there was a cat sitter, so I'm like, okay, what really happened here? And, you know, I tried to make contact with the cat, and there was just nothing. And then I had a dream one night. And in the dream, you know, it was so real. He was swishing because he did. He would swish around me and just, like, you know, make this little noise in his throat. And in the dream, there he was, you know. And I, and, and I didn't realize mm-hmm. it was a dream. You know how you can be in a dream and not realize you're in a dream? It was, like, so real. And I was just, oh, Max, you're here. And then all of a sudden, sudden I was like oh you're not really here this is a dream in the dream and right. oh you I'm became like, you you became lucid right, right. and I yeah said, oh, Max. and basically he was letting me know he was okay that stop blaming yourself you know like this was just the way it was and he had had this weird little throaty thing for several months like it wouldn't happen very often and he had long hair so I thought it was a hairball but really it was his heart I think it doesn't even matter that's not the point but the point was this cat transported himself literally into my dreams or maybe I called him in because I needed to know you know it, does, right. it really doesn't matter I think there's a there was a, a psychic agreement where and after that I was like oh my gosh I felt 
so much better knowing that he still loved me and that it was okay. Yeah, and I think personally that it's all going on all the time because uh, although my take is a psychological take on like looking at the problem-solving aspect of dream of dreams and teaching people the language of metaphors and how to uncover why you had that dream it's it's true that that's really what I do but for example I could say to you cuz I was talking about him before like I might dream about my dad when I'm about to get on a plane to go on a business trip to speak and I'm leaving um, my daughters and uh, my granddaughters and my husband I'm leaving everybody I need to access that male business side of myself and so if I dream about my father I might dream about him to access that part of my personality as opposed to my nurturing stay-at-home mom, right? So I'm not going to dream exactly. about her when I'm about to go on a business trip. But how do you and I know that my father's not also visiting me? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he is. I'm sure he right. is. So that's what I mean when I say that I think we're very, very sophisticated. And I think there's a lot more going on than we give ourselves credit for. I 100% agree with you. And, you know, and I want to thank you for being here on your birthday. Happy birthday. It's it's not my birthday. Oh, I thought you said at the beginning that it was your birthday. No, my birthday's April 3rd. That's really interesting. I thought you said when you came on that it was your birthday today. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, so here she is on her birthday. Or maybe you were talking about her 40th (laughs) birthday. I don't know, but okay, so you're an alien. Oh, I know what okay. I said. I know exactly <laughs> what I said. I said I said that I'm 66 today, and that must have been misleading. Right. I was like, oh, my God, she's here on her birthday. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No. But, okay, well, I have many Aries, uh, Aries girlfriends. I love Aries. And, you know, they're dynamic leaders. Most of them have a little bit of a challenge being in marriage because they're so independent, you know. But um, but if someone really gets them, it's like, oh, my gosh, like you couldn't ask for a more loving person. And But you're independent. But, uh, but I – but I like how yeah, you and, explain that. and Andy's a Libra, so he really oh. creates a nice balance for me. Right. Well, you've got air and you've got fire, and air feeds fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he understands you. So, so I don't know if you've ever heard of Robert Asiglia, um, the psychosynthesis of self. He he he's this person who kind of came up with, uh, the way I met him was at the Edgar Cayce Institute, you know, and, you know, you know Edgar Cayce probably. And, you know, I, I drove him. there. Oh, I know. I mean, the sleeping prophet. And so I drove to the Virginia Beach ARE, and there I am to study. I mean, I just, you know, was fascinated by this guy. And he talked about our subpersonalities, which is kind of what you're bringing in totally in a different way for me, like with dreams. I never thought about it, um, interpreting it this way. But you know how you were saying, if you think about your, you know, dream about your dad as you're about to go on a business trip, then it's like, okay, you pull that out. I'm going to embrace that, you know, going out into the world, businesswoman, you know, blah, blah, blah. He talked about all the subpersonalities and to get to know them. Not that you're civil with, you know, all these uh, personalities, but you have different people that come out. Am I the nurturer? Am I the... You know, the um, the thinker, am I the fixer, am I the this, am I the that? And the more you get to know those subpersonalities, 
the more you know when, okay, like you were saying earlier, I want to change this. I don't want to stay. This like really boring. I've stayed stuck. I've stayed in this thing forever. I want to change this. This is a different part of my life, and I want that change. So using dreams in this way is a whole different way of approaching it. It is. It is. May I leave you with, a? I think, a terrific dream? It's one of my favorites. Yes, 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 yes. Here's a woman, and this, is, uh, this dream is in the second book also. It's called The Picnic Dream, and she dreams that she's at a picnic, and um, there's uh, a few ants, but she's, it's a, a lovely time. And suddenly, again, there's also, like with the puppy dream, there's an escalation because suddenly, instead of these few little ants that are, she had said are not bothering the picnic, it suddenly turns into an absolute horde of ants everywhere. And she wakes while she's trying to push the ants away with her hands. That's how she wakes. And so... Um, Asking, using the symbols, I asked her to tell me what is a picnic. Like, imagine that I'm four years old and I don't know what a picnic is. How would you define it? And she said, a picnic is when you eat outside of the house on a blanket. And it's warm and sunny and it feels good. And, um, um... Oh, what was it? Oh, yes. And then I asked her about food, and she said that food is sustenance. And it turned out to be about the fact that she was having an affair. She was um, eating outside of the house on a blanket, getting her sustenance outside the house. And the small ants at the beginning of the dream are her kids, his kids, her husband, his wife. And the reason the escalation of the situation was that he got transferred out of town an hour and a half, he moved away. So if she wants to continue the affair, she has to drive an hour and a half to get to him, probably another hour and a half to be with him, and then an hour and a half to drive back and get there in time to pick the children up at school. And so how is the dreamer responding in the dream? This is an action point of entry, by the way. Is it um, uh, effective? Can you get rid of a horde of ants by pushing them away with your hands? No. You can't. So the dream is mirroring her inappropriate response to her situation. And I said, well, maybe you want to get out the raid. (laughs) 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 And about two days later, she called to tell me that she got the raid out and ended the affair. Oh, my goodness. And it's funny because I had a man, I had a man yesterday or the day before I was telling this dream, and he said, well, get get the raid out, meaning what? Like, what are you telling her? And I'm, and I'm wanted to say, and I said to him, I am not telling her how to use the raid because that's up to the dreamer. But using raid means that she is taking action. She's taking her power back by taking some raid. Right. Well, and she obviously was deeply processing, or this would never have come up, you know? I mean... Exactly. um, Right. So, so Lainey, you you mentioned the six points of entry. One is the feelings. One is the feelings, and it's like a dance. You go in the dream, outside the dream. How did you feel in the dream? I felt scared. Well, what do you think is going on this week that's making you feel a bit anxious? 
And then there's the action, which I just gave you an example of about how she's pushing it away with her hands. So I did an action point of entry because looking at that, I already know without knowing the situation, I can already see that it's probably an underreaction in her waking life. Um, that it's it's probably a mirror and then there's the symbols and metaphors which I gave you examples of that like the the guy's roommate or my aunt and play on words and puns like the woman who said while she was describing her dream there were snakes all over the floor I couldn't put my foot down and I said oh yeah why who are you having trouble putting your foot down with Right. Or you hear dreamers that come to me and say, oh, I was going to the bathroom in the dream and I got into a stall and I couldn't get out of the stall. And I'm like, oh, yeah? <laughs> what are you stalling about in your life? Right. So, so when the dreamer right. is, isn't that great? And mm-hmm. when the dreamer is speaking, I'm writing like a maniac. And so the last point of entry is the plot. And that's the same thing that we used to do in English class when we were in school. You want to look for the story behind the story. You know, like I went to the airport and I missed the plane and then I was standing on the platform and the train left. And so you want to look at what's going on in the plot and see how that matches something in your life this week. Fabulous, 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 Lainey. Okay, so I want to mention, listeners, that the website for um, Lenny Dolphin is haveagreatdream.com. Her um, website has how to buy the books and how to book a consultation or a free mini course. And these free mini courses really look fascinating. Um, the topics are improve relationships, solve tough problems, find your secret to love and happiness, discover new flexibility and power in the way you approach people and situations. And um, the way to do that is to go to her website and fill out the um, subscription form. Um, and then you will get, uh, she will send you information for five, uh, five emails over five days. Her book is available on Amazon.com, um, on Barnes & Noble, uh, all kinds of different things. She's got all her radio interviews where you can listen to them and Anything else you want to add? Like, we have a few more minutes. Just any, like, if you would share. Well, one I guess of most, um, I guess I yeah. would um, I would add that I'm about to do. Um, I'm going to uh, giving a one day workshop on Sunday, October 28th in New York City at the Open Center. And anybody who lives in the New York area, I I I hope you will come and join me. Okay. All right, perfect. That's a that's a great center, by the way. Uh, I've not been there, but I know of it. Um, and then anything you want to like, just share one of your most. You've shared a lot, and you know I'm grateful for that. But is there one dream that you worked with either personally or with someone else that just stands out in your mind, like a life changing interpretation that you were able to help facilitate? Well, I I guess I would have to uh, go to my freight elevator dreams. And here's my dad. Wow, it's so funny tonight. What is going on? And it, <laughs> it's especially <laughs> funny because I just saw his picture. Um, I, my granddaughter is doing like my life story and uh, a project for school, and she's uh, been interviewing me about my life. 
and I was going through pictures to give her because she wants me to give her pictures of myself at different ages. And I just came across the most gorgeous picture of my dad this afternoon. And here it's like he's all around me tonight. It's just so funny that uh, it's just funny that you're asking me that. But uh um, I had a series of freight elevator dreams when I was very early in analysis, and when I first had Tina, my eldest uh, daughter, who, by the way, passed away a few years ago, uh, that's the daughter that was born with Down syndrome, and uh, 45 years ago, uh, it wasn't like today. Today, everybody brings their Down's baby home, but it wasn't like that 45 years ago, and I was um, advised to have her institutionalized and I followed the advice because it came from a doctor who I really trusted and my parents never offered any opinion because they wanted me to know that if I decide to bring Tina home they're with me and if I decide to have her placed they're also with me everything whatever I want to do is good with them and I started having these freight elevator dreams which is me in a big space and you know how the floor is a bit wobbly and so it was about me feeling like I don't really have my ground and the space is so big and I'm always in the elevator alone. And so um, my solution to the freight elevator dream was like the puppy dream to take the picture outside. And my solution was to bring people into the elevator because if you bring people in the elevator, you make the space smaller, first of all, and you also put weight on the floor so it stops wobbling. And so the freight elevator in my database links me to being a child and going to my father's warehouse on the weekends with him. And the, the freight elevator used to make me nervous, but I was always so felt protected with him because he was always in there with me. And I ended up inviting, I realized after about two months, this thing about giving Tina up, it's not working for me. Well, it's like, where's my kid? I had a baby. Where is she? And I didn't want to be away from her. It didn't, uh, it wasn't working for me. And the freight elevator dreams helped me go to my parents and bring them figuratively into the elevator. And I invited them to go and see Tina with me. And she never did live with me, but she was a huge part of my life. And so it wasn't a situation where I like gave her up and never saw her or something like that. Tina was a big part of my life and my children's lives. And so it was the freight elevator dreams that were life changing. They literally changed everything about my relationship with my daughter. That's, you know, isn't it just amazing how, how giving our mind is when we are open to listening and to going deeper with the understanding because you know back back okay i'm 63 so you know you're 66 back in the day you know if you had a down syndrome baby it was just like no you did not exactly what you described you know it was like put them away institutionalize them and you know away they go and you go on with your life and so many people were afraid to have the second child because what if we have another one and in almost all cases with a down syndrome child i'm sure you've done you know all the research is that it's almost always the first child and then it doesn't happen again it's just yeah i have um, i have uh, four daughters so i had three more after that 
Right. You know, and I used to do volunteer work in my early 20s at the state hospital, and it was uh, I would be with them. Um, most of them were mentally ill, but most of them Down syndrome, but they also were deaf, dumb, and or blind. And so I don't know how I wound up. Well, actually, I do. I dated this guy, and his mom worked there, and she would, she would recruit all of us to come help when they would have an event. And so they would have these events with music and, you know, all this, and I can remember – you know, here they were, Down syndrome, but blind or deaf or whatever. But I wound up with the blind ones that were Down syndrome, and I kid you not, it was like being with Ray Charles. They had this in, intuitive sense of music, and just to be <laughs> able to see inside. No, well, you probably know. I mean, it's just like yeah. there's a joy. There's a joy. That joy. Like, oh my. Yes. Yes, and there is And the most wonder. wonderful thing about Tina that I that I'll never I'll take it with me for for my whole life is that imagine she lived her whole life in the present. She was never ang- never had anxiety and regret about anything in the past. She never had anxiety about the future. She was always living in the moment. Imagine being able to live your life. I'm sure their spirit and soul is ahead of ours. Hundred percent. Oh, they're advanced. They're so loving. And yeah. Like, yeah. So thank goodness you had that dream, though, that enabled you to then bring your parents in. And how beautiful that you had parents that did not try and tell you what to do. They knew that this was probably, you know, a very difficult time and a decision, and they honored you making the choice. Either way, they were fine. Yeah, they did, and they were so wonderful with Tina. They just the whole thing was. Just, uh, they were wonderful. Just wonderful. Wow. Well, Lainey, I thank you for your work with your books, the two books, and helping others reach the state of awareness with dreams. Listeners, you can uh, find out all the information at, I love your website, haveagreatdream.com. I think it's beautiful that you pulled all of your knowledge and everything into haveagreatdream.com. So thank, <laughs> thank you again. Thank you, Cindy. And stay, in, stay in touch. I mean, this just, I mean, magical. Thank you so much. And um, My pleasure. And thank you. you. I'll, send you I'll send you the link. Okay, thank you so much. Good night, Lainey. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Okay, bye. Okay, so um, listeners, this is a two-part show, as I um, mentioned earlier, and we are now going to go um, to our second part of the show after living in the dream world. We are now going to come back to the metaphysical world, and I am going to bring my two guests on in just a second, and um, what we're going to hear um, from is the founders of the Crossroads Metaphysical Fair um, they, um, I'll just bring them on. We're going to bring um, Sylvia. Let's see. Sylvia, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. And then let me see. I think we have Serafina. Serafina, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, perfect. Okay. So um, we're going to talk about this fabulous event that you two, that you, the three of you actually, um, I don't know if Chi is going to be here, but um, let's hear about what we have in store in St. Louis with the Crossroads uh, Metaphysical Fair and your wonderful um, event that you're preparing starting on Friday night, October 26th. So um, if you want to talk about how this event came to be or whatever you want to share, um, Sylvia, we'll start with you, whatever you want to share. Okay. Well, I know we've got some limited time. But, um, you know, the three of us, Gigi is the other partner, and she's not going to be on tonight since we have such limited time. Um, The three of us just 
kind of like we've talked about before, really came together and said we want to do we do fairs in other towns individually and wanted to come together and bring some things to some other towns together. And St. Louis was the first one of those. And we had a great event in May, so we're back in October. Uh, and we're going to um, – do you want me to start with the Halloween party, Serafina? Sure, that's great. Okay. So um, uh, she'll talk about the fair in a second. So the fair is Saturday, Sunday, but this time what we decided to do, because it is the end of October, Friday night, decided, well, let's do a Halloween party with, you know, a little bit different flavor. Uh, one of the things that's going to set ours apart, I mean, there's going to be the typical Halloween party stuff. There's going to be a DJ who is amazing. He's done parties. He's been in business for about nine years, has huge, amazing selection of music. Um, so people can write, hey, I want to hear this song, put it on our Facebook page, we'll make sure he plays it. Um, we've got DJ. They've got a dance floor. There's going to be food. Um, appetizers and hors d'oeuvres all throughout the evening, not just, you know, if you happen to get lucky and get there early, but all through the evening. Uh, there's going to be a photo booth. There's going to be, of course, a cash bar, although with your ticket price, the first drink is included in that. Um, and, of course, soft drinks and stuff. Uh, party is 18 and up. We're going to have uh, door prizes throughout the whole evening. There are going to be some I. Uh, different kinds of items. They may be some readings. There will be uh, free tickets to the fair for the weekend. And then we're going to do a costume contest later in the evening. And uh, so there's going to be prizes there. And uh, for those, there will be some good prizes, uh, tickets to the fair included in that. There will be a reading that can be done um, either at the fair or at a later date, like a Skype or phone reading or in person, uh, depending on you know where the person's from. So it's going to be really, really cool. I don't think I'm missing anything about that. Tell me if I am. (laughs) Um, No, I think that's it. Yeah, I am missing something. I'm missing the big thing. Um, So throughout the evening, though, (laughs) Serafina is going to be one of them. There's going to be roving readers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that'll be fun. There'll be all different types, too. There'll be palm readers, tarot readers. We'll have some animal guide readings. Um, So it'll be a mixture of what you can get while you're there. Yeah. And these these will be actually people that are really readers, truly skilled in this, people that are mediums, people that have done tarot for, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. Um, The palm reader, I mean, she's got, more experience than I think I've seen any palm reader have. She's amazing. Um, yeah. You know, so they're going to be legit readings, not just, oh, hey, you know, somebody's dressing up like a, a, a tarot reader or something. These are actually going to be, you know, real readings. They'll just be many small readings. Um, but then that kind of gives you a sam- that people a sampling and a flavor if they want to come to the event you know, Saturday and Sunday and actually get a more extended reading. Well, and this is the thing, listeners, you know, psychic fairs are not all the same. Metaphysical fairs with psychics are not all the same. What I love about Serafina and Sylvia and Gigi is that they vet their readers. You don't just show up and say, I'm a reader. They are tested. And, you know, so not everyone's accepted. It's, you know, yeah. these are interesting times, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I mean, I it's interesting. I read at an event the other night, and all the readers got together before the event started, and there were 
two of the five readers who had never read before. And, of course, we were supposed oh. to set our price, and everyone, everyone set the price. And I had never encountered this in my entire life. And so, no. I mean, all the year I've been reading over 20 years. And so it was like, okay, so I kind of went along with it. But then, but then people said, came, came to me who have been there before, and they're like, it's such and such, right? And I'm like, no, tonight it's such and such, because I went along with it. And I thought, oh, boy, did I get tested, and I just didn't quite understand what was happening. And it wasn't, you know, I went along with it to support these new readers. But really and truly, when, you know, you, you guys know, you know who's brand new, and you know if they're gifted and ready or not. But it was like, yeah. it was just this, it was just an interesting thing. And then, I, you know, I never stopped all night. I was like reading from start to finish. And I just thought, you know, it's just, it's interesting. It's just interesting. And so you guys are really professionals. And, you know, most of the professional fairs do it this way. And, you know, like, so I applaud you. You're not going to have someone reading there on Friday night at the Halloween party that is not worth their salt. So I, I, you know, you guys run a professional deal here. Well, I think it's really important when you look at a reader to understand what their capabilities are because if you just are first come, first serve, that pretty much allows anyone to walk through the door. But people who are willing to come to a fair and have a reading possibly for their first time, you need them to, to have a reader who's qualified so that they can feel the reading, understand the reading, and, and know that, that what they were told is is something that they needed Accurate. to respect or, or deal with. Yeah, accuracy, yeah. And so often, exactly. if you don't do that, you and I'm not dissing new readers, and I think that we also come from that, well, I've been doing it for 25 years. So. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. We all had to break, or break in, but you, you still have to be able to be, to read in that environment, it's a much different environment than reading one-on-one for a client. It's generally louder. It has to be more quickly done. Uh, and there's other energy, other readers, other things going on that kind of, you know, you have to be able to navigate through as a reader while you're giving those readings. So it, it takes Absolutely. a special degree as well to be able to do that. Absolutely. I think definitely everything that Serafina is saying is right. And um, I, I know, for example, when we first started our fair in Kansas City, Gigi and I, um, one of the things we did uh, a couple times was we got invited to a bar to read. And so I said, hey, who, who wants to come and do something like that with me? You know, and I had, we had several friends that are mediums, and some of them were interested saying, hey, I think that sounds really cool, but I couldn't read in a bar. And I was like, well, then you probably couldn't read at a fair environment because they said that they, they see spirits not just as, they would see the spirit that wants to talk to the person sitting next to their client. And it's like, well, that doesn't work in a fair environment. You would need to know that that person can hone in on what's your energy, not right. the reading yeah. for the person, you know, next to you. And that's another thing also about our fairs is um, we've tried to be really particular to say, okay, we don't want 10 tarot readers or 10 palm readers. We want to have a really good variety you know, as far as here's some tarot people, here's some palm readers, here's an astrologer, here's people that are intuitive, who's medium, just a variety. Because, you know, I will not be the reader if somebody wants to talk to someone that has crossed over. That You'd get nothing from me as a reader. You could be able to talk to Serafina, you'd be able to talk to Lita, you'd be able to talk, and they both have different styles for that kind of reading as well. Yeah. 
So I think that's something. And that's another thing. People can, when they come to the event, they can find any, any of the three of us and say, hey, I really want to know about this. And we can say, okay, then you probably need a reader that does this kind of a thing. Check out these people. Yeah, and that's important, too, to understand your readers. And when you don't vet, you don't know what they're qualified to do or what they're really good at. And so when people – and people do come up to the front desk and, and ask mm-hmm. for a particular type of reading or or who do you recommend. And so it's really helpful to understand what, what they do, what what's in their wheelhouse, and also – uh, how how accurate they are on in, on particular things, so that we can kind of help guide people who do want it. If they, uh, we also recommend that they just walk around and get a good energy vibe off of all the readers that are there. But sometimes that's not really where um, uh, the fair attendees are really at. They just need to be pointed in a direction of go check out X, Y, and Z, and so that they can go do that. And it is if we didn't know who they were or how good they were, we'd never know who to uh, suggest. Right. It really makes a difference uh, when you know your vendors. And, of course, with any show, you always have new vendors, new readers as part of um, the attraction force and co-creating with the universe. But it's also yep. nice to be able to say this person is a palm reader, like Sylvia was saying. Oh, my gosh, I've encountered palm readers, but this is the cream of the cream of palm readers. And you don't have five palm readers where a person's confused on who to go to. It's like, it's like this is our palm reader. And, yes. You know, go to this person. If you want your palm read and you want to know about your lifeline and, you know, love and marriage or whatever, here's the person you go to. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is that you don't promote yourself as a psychic fear. You're a metaphysical, you know, crossroads metaphysical. And I, I like that. So it's like you have all these vendors, all different, you know, beautiful things that they're offering, but then you have a, a, a strong uh, background of the readers. You know, and and doing this Halloween party, whose idea was this? I mean, I think it's brilliant. Well, I think we we kind of like co we we all were kind of coming from that because we realized we were going to be Halloween weekend. I think originally we yeah. thought we would do it in 2020 when Saturday was going to be October 31st and Sunday was going to be November 1st because that's such an interesting dynamic energetically. But the more we talked about it, the more excited we got. We just thought, well, let's just go ahead and do this. We don't need to wait for that special weekend. So I think that's kind of how it all came together. Well, and I think this way, too, I mean, there are a lot of different Halloween things in St. Louis people can do. And so I think people, you know, they, they need to hear about it. They need as, as they hear about this one, they'll say, okay, you know, I missed it this year. I want to go to it next year because I really want to see the readers. And, oh, they also had a costume contest so I could still dress up and, you know, all those kind of things. So I think that by the time 2020 comes around, it's mm-hmm. going to be like, I'm hoping it's like, okay, that's going to be like a really big event because it is tied with, you know, All Saints Day, you know, Halloween and oh, yeah. balance and it's tied there and it's the metaphysical and it's a party. It's just, I think that'll just sort of make it even more special then. So, yeah, right. I think that too. Yeah. Okay, so regarding your upcoming wonderful event, um, what what all is in store for St. Louis? Well, I think we have um, some of the same. Pe- we have some repeats from from our May show that we're really fabulous mm-hmm. and we're excited about, and we've mm-hmm. uh, picked up some newer people as well that are different. 
um, I think that you're going to get the same flavor in that one of the things we do is with crossroads, it really is about being at a crossroads in your life and trying to find, find your path. So every one that we have chosen or that we're accepted into the fair kind of has to meet that. They have to offer something. Either they're offering tools for, uh, for your spiritual path or they're really good at the healings that they do or they're really good at helping you find the direction you need as a reader. So while I think it'll have the, that similar continuity, you are going to see different people this time. And it's one of the things we do like to do is to try to keep it fresh. I think Sylvia knows more about specifically the, the newer vendors than uh, I really do at this point. Yeah. Okay. Um, like, like what Seraphine is saying, we've got a lot of um, people that are back again as far as readers and vendors. Um, but then there's some new folks. Uh, last time we had a gal that did a ton of different tumbled stones, and we have a person that does tumbled stones this time as well, but it's a different person. So there's going to be a little bit of sele- different selection, a little bit different variety. But, they're, but they both have super knowledge and really good uh, selection. So one thing, you know, if you know that you're looking for, say, selenite and you're looking for you know black tourmaline because of all these energies going on around lately this month then you're going to be able to find it at this booth uh there's also you know a couple other booths that have crystals as well we've got um aura camera we've got um one of the artists that was there last time natasha is back but we also have a new artist um who was actually, I believe, at the Tulsa show. Is that right, sir? Yeah, she's she's just a little. She, she's different. Um, her her painting style is different. The kinds of images and information she pulls from paintings is different than Natasha. They just work in really different ways, and it's kind of interesting. The, mm-hmm. the both both the similarities, honestly, as far as the reading goes, but the difference in the way that they they come out visually. And she's really good. Um, she's uh, Native American, and so it, it has a very uh, Native American flavor to it. Um, she really deals with ancestors really well and, and understanding what your your path is, why you're where you're at right now, as opposed to, and, and I mean like back in, back in lifetimes, not just necessarily issues that you've had occur within this lifetime. So that's very interesting with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds um, great. Speaking of, yeah, she her booth was really cool in Tulsa. I was there for that. Um, speaking of Native American, we've got Kelly, who's coming yeah. down, and she's Native American as well. And she does these really beautiful, um, like feather fans and things with smudge and rattles she's and a, a lot of Native American crafts. She's also a reader. Um, wow, that sounds yeah. great. So there's a, there's a combo of people that are from St. Louis. Um, some people that you probably would know by name, like Brian Gorman. Um, You probably know him, Mary Losing. They both uh, are pretty well known around for doing some events and things in St. Louis. Uh, But then there's also people that are coming from Oklahoma. There's people coming from Kansas City. So, I mean, there's people that have been around. Oh, um, another person that uh, you probably know from St. Louis is Clint and his wife, Shelly, who do uh, biomass. We've got some really amazing healers this time, too. Uh, We had amazing healers last time. We've got a gal this time who actually does, like, she actually lays crystals on your body as part of the healing, which I think is just really neat. Yeah. 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 I think with the vendors we have, go ahead, sorry. 
No, I was going to say, you know, you had your first event on Mother's Day weekend in May of uh, 2017, and then here we are. Or 18, I'm so sorry, 18, 18. Sometimes I go back and forth in my mind. Okay, so just May of this year, and then here we are, you know, five months, five and a half months later, and, you know, people are still talking about the last event. So it's, you have a lot of momentum, you know, with, you know, coming to St. Louis, and people are so grateful. Well, I think it's really you know, all of our passions. I mean, Sylvia, Gigi, mm-hmm. and I all come from that, where one of the things that's very important for us is, is what we do, not just – I mean, it, it isn't just like hosting a fair. I mean, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. There's a lot of excitement for us, and it really is a calling. And so I think that that maybe shows a little bit differently in the way that we run a fair, the way that we advertise our fair, the experience that attendees have and the experience that vendors and readers have. And healers as well. I mean, it, I think that is what sets it apart from other fairs I've I've been to or other fairs that um, uh, I've been to as an attendee or as a vendor. So I think that that really shows up in what we do. Absolutely. I, and you know, you're you're um, one of the things. One of the things. Yeah, go ahead, that I know, Go ahead. Oh, um, I know, uh, Cindy. For you. Uh, when we when we kind of had talked briefly because we've done some advertising for the Kansas City show in your uh, magazine as well because it goes here uh, here's one of the circulation areas everything that was we were seeing in St Louis we would grab that magazine we'd be like hey what are events that are going on in St Louis we tended to know there were outdoor events um, and then it seemed like a lot of the other events were one day that were inside they didn't there didn't seem to be an indoor weekend kind of thing. Um, and a right. lot of them end at like five o'clock. Well, we're open till eight on Saturday. So if you are somebody that has to work on Saturday, you can get off work and still come. Yeah. And you know, right. We were in shock with your first one. I have to tell you, for, I'm speaking for St. Louis. We were in shock. We're like, what? Like nine nine <laughs> in the morning? We have to be there, and and it goes till <laughs> eight or nine at night. I mean, and and we have to be back at the next morning. You know, and we have to set up on Friday. It's, it was just like, you know, it was kind of a shock because, you know, I mean, as Spirit Seeker Magazine, we hosted 28 of these um, conferences from 1996 to 2014. And when I did the 2014, I did not announce that it was the last one, but I, in my heart, I, and it went in what was unfortunate in a way, but you know, it's how life works. It was the smoothest. I had 40 volunteers. I had an amazing volunteer director I had more speakers, and it was one day because that's just what we did. We only did, out of all 28, we only did one two-day event. And, I, you know, and I don't know why. I, looking back, I'm not sure why we always did it that way, but we did. And when I, we, you know, so here we were. It was bittersweet because you, I didn't want to say this is my last one because I hadn't totally made the decision. But the guidance that I kept getting was, let this go and more people will show up and they will they will take the baton. You have to trust. And this friend of mine, Beatrix Quintana, is like, what is wrong with you? You know, you've done this forever and now you're going to let it go. You've built it up. You're going to let it go. I said, Beatrix, check the cards on it. And she checked the cards and she goes, oh, my God, you're right. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know that the right people are going to show up and they're going to carry this forward. You know, and Ryan Gorman used to always be at my events. And then after that, you know, I think it was either in 2014 or maybe the year before, he started the Crystal Fest, and that was an outdoor event. And people have Mm -hmm. stepped up 
you know. And right now we support Spirit Seekers, support so many events, like not just in the Midwest. We support others outside of it, but primarily the Midwest. And it's just, you know, I'm so delighted because, you know, Serafina, you know, share your background. You're mainly Tulsa, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I I vent nationally, though. I mean, I travel a lot, so it gave me kind of understanding of what goes on outside of there. But I am from uh, Tulsa originally, but I've managed to get away for decades at a time. But I am yeah. back here. Um, but uh, I do like this area. I think this area, whether it's Tulsa or whether it's Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, Iowa, this whole corridor is just open. Missouri, all of it. They're just open right. things. Mm-hmm. And I think that yeah. that's why synergistically it's occurring here and why you're seeing new people coming in and new influx. Because right. I, having traveled all over, I, I do see more, more, more energetically here people are open to things that they're just not as open to. Maybe they think it's old hat or maybe it's just life goes at a different speed. But I find the coasts just aren't as, uh, I don't want to say spiritually aware, but I feel like they just – they're not open. They're just, there's just no other word to describe it but open. People right. here are just very much open. So, Years ago, it was told to me that when you lay a body across the United States, St. Louis, or, you know, not just St. Louis, but primarily like Missouri, Kansas, we're the heart chakra of the country. And yeah. if you can get grounded here, you can be, it's like, it's like we're anchoring. That's why, you know, I hate the saying, show me state. But it kind of is. It's like <laughs> we're from Missouri. You know, we are out in the farms. And, yeah. you know, you go up to Chicago and all you see is flatlands until you get to Chicago. And it's like between here and Kansas City, three and a half hours, you're in Kansas City. Four and a half hours, you're mm-hmm. in Chicago. And it's kind of like we're here in the middle of the heartland of this country and we kind of have a good pulse on nonsense. So here we are, you know, all of us on this call tonight are like the forerunners in the front lines of bringing oh, yeah. the mind, body, spirit awareness to the rest of the country. Well, yeah, I think I was going to say, they say, like, they use Kansas City and St. Louis as test markets for all kinds of things and products because they say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. So yeah. I think it's because there's a little bit of a dose of skepticism kind of here but also like you said i think there's a fact that we're open to it and we're and like what what cindy was saying it is about show me it's not closed off and so i think that's one reason places use it for a test market too Mm -hmm. yeah and they're actually really big i mean when you think about it they're huge metropolitan areas and and it encompasses so much more than just that immediate town, all the outliers, everything. And mm-hmm. so there's just a, a large base here. So it's a very good mix of people as well. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that saying, New York, New York, if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like we're the Midwest New York. If you can make it here. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, I never thought about it until this call. Um, okay. Okay. So listen, we have a few more minutes. Um, the website is where, and, and, and Facebook, how can they join? How, tell, tell the listeners how they can find information about your event. Okay. So I would get on, there's two different locations on Facebook. We're Crossroads, Collect, Crossroads Metaphysical STL. And on that page, you can find out about our, both of our events, both the fair and the, uh, Halloween party and on uh, our website is crosswordsmetaphysical.com and if you go to crosswordsmetaphysical.com backslash STL you can find out about St. Louis or backslash Halloween and you can find out specifically about the party 
All of those locations will have links for you to be able to buy tickets back on Ticket Leap. But um, if you just want a really good uh, overview of what the fair is, come to the website. If you want to check out more uh, detailed information, head on over to Facebook. Okay. And so I'm just going to miss Facebook it. on the website. Too. Oh, I'm sorry. So Go ahead. The website, I, I, I the website yeah. also ha- the website um, also has links to get you to Facebook. So if you just remember yes. one thing, just crossroadsmetaphysical.com. It'll get you anywhere you need to be. Yes. Okay. And and I'm just going to mention this show is unlike any other show you've seen in St. Louis. They have gallery style readings, and you know we're 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 not going to go into all that right now. But you'll see it all on the website. But you have to get your tickets, and then you have to like um, register for these classes. Like if you know that you want to be at a gallery reading, you have to have your little fanny in that room, sitting down early. Like you, you get there yes. because they line up, and and at a certain point the door is closed and it's done. Because for you to enter in after the door is closed would be distracting to the reader and to the group. It's a very um, intimate setting where you're getting readings from spirit through the different readers, and um, so this is on. This is very different. We're lucky to have this show brought to St. Louis. Um, it's it's highly impeccable the volunteers all know their stuff they're not just sitting there not knowing what they're doing these volunteers are part of the deal and um anything yeah. else you, you you all want to add because i mean i'm looking so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this you know i i think the best yeah. of all of you you mentioned we, you know um we, we love have having minute. you and, okay i just want to mention the lectures um, there are the spirit galleries like you were talking about. There are other lectures that, you know, you can walk into, like informational classes about essential oils, about CBD, about magical tools, uh, different things like that as well. Those will be on the website as they're available. Um, I don't think that schedule's up yet, and it will be on Facebook as well. That gets put up closer. But crossroadsmetaphysical.com, um, and make sure you get the tickets to the Halloween party. Uh Tickets for the fair at the door. You just come to the fair and get your ticket there at the door. But for the Halloween party, it's pay in advance. Right. Or it's $5 more at the door. Yeah. And really do it in advance because, you know, I've done these events. They have to prepare the food. They have to know how many people are coming. Mm -hmm. They have to know how many beverages to prepare for. You know, it's it's a respond early, if you would, please. And tell your friends, you know, you're going to have fun from start to finish. And, you know, how fun is this? You know, Halloween contest, you know, there's just so many different things. So, okay, so thank you, um, Serafina and Sylvia and Gigi. I know you're here energetically. So I just want to thank you both, and I'll see you before you know it. Awesome. Thank see you, you soon. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Good night, everyone. Okay. Good night, you too. I'll, I'll see you soon. Okay. Um, remember, if you want to be part of our mail li- email list, Send an email to info at spiritseeker.com or go to the spiritseeker.com website and sign up from there for the newsletter. Then you're eligible for the free drawings, free tickets, etc. Okay, good night, everyone. We'll see you next week. Have a great week. Namaste.